0: On today's show, I'm breaking down three hypothetical trades that could really help the Mets this offseason. You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. On the show today, I've come up with three hypothetical trades that would address multiple needs for the New York Mets. In the first segment, there is a trade with the Rays. Second segment, a trade with the White Sox. And then we close it off with a trade between the Mets and David Stearns, former Milwaukee Brewers. Before we get to any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on X at Ryan. I also find some of my writing at justbaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks if your team wins, visit fanw.com slash locked on to get started. Now the hot stove season has started to simmer. Okay, the Cardinals have signed Lance Lynn and Kyle Gibson, so they are really going after the innings eating mediocre fourth and fifth starters. That that's that's their bread and butter right now. But the price tag for those guys is a pretty alarming when it comes to the trade market. Lance Lynn gets 10 million dollars. Kyle Gibson gets $12 million. So when you're looking at that, you know, mid tier starter, that's maybe a tier above them. The, the Steph Lugos of the world, the Michael Wackas, how much money are these guys going to get? What is it? Walter Rodriguez got on this market. And that's what had me today decide. Let's look at the trade market. How can the Mets get a starting pitch in their rotation and also fill multiple needs? So I have three different trades. Each of them is one arm and one bat. So, I I think there's uh, some varying degree of of avenues the Mets can go here. How prospect heavy do you want to get? How much do you want to just absorb salary? The first trade is more of a salary absorption trade. The second trade is a couple of lottery tickets. And the final trade, which I think is the most interesting, is a little bit of salary absorption and heavy prospect capital that it would take to land that pair of guys. But we're going to begin with the trade that I think is the most realistic because for one, the Mets have already been linked to one of these players this offseason. I'm talking about Manuel Margot. The carrot or, or the the player that you're really looking to get though in this deal is not Margot, who's at this point just a fourth outfielder. It's Tyler Glass now. That that's ultimately the target that we're looking to acquire if you're the New York Mets in this situation. Tyler Glass now is going to make $25 million this season. Now, I talked about uh, this contract on this show feels like over a month ago now, where I did say that Glassnow was a real fit for the Mets because it just made a lot of sense. And we have since seen a lot of other people connect those dots. Glassnow you know, was, had this really interesting contract coming off Tommy John, where he made a shade over $5 million this past year. And part of this two-year deal he signed, which I believe took one of his free agent years away. I think he was supposed to be a free agent this year. It guaranteed him this $25 million that either he would play for the Rays on and more likely they would just use it to trade him. And that's where they're at right now. And because this market is thin when it comes to top-end starting pitchers, they're probably going to sit back and wait, let things clear out a little bit. And then once a lot of these top agents are off the board, they're going to float glass now. And there should be a lot of teams interested to get a guy that Hasn't been particularly healthy, but it's coming off his most healthy season. 120 pitch was a career high, but a guy that has ace potential and someone that I think a lot of teams are going to be very interested in. I think the Mets should be one of those teams. As I've addressed on past shows, this is not the year for the Mets to cut back on spending. So to preserve future flexibility by not having to give this guy a long-term deal with the injury risk, but to have him on a one-year Sort of bloated salary. He's worth it if he's healthy. It's a risk the Mets should be willing to take. Now taking Margot back in this trade makes it even worse when it comes to salary absorption because he's making ten million dollars. He's not worth that. And next year he's making twelve million dollars with a two million dollar uh, buyout on a mutual option. So you know they could get out of that contract, but still. If you're taking it all on, you are absorbing $37 million for the Tampa Bay Rays. And because of that, I don't think you have to give up quite as much capital when it comes to prospects. Now, they might want to trade these guys separately. Margot was in rumors that the Mets and the Yankees were interested, felt like one of those trades that happens before the non-tender deadline, so the Rays could have cleared them up. And, And whatever the Mets and the Yankees were offering, which probably wasn't much, the Rays, I guess, decided it wasn't worth it to just sell them for you know, a bag of baseballs and they're holding on to him. I don't think he has much of any trade value, though. I don't think he does bring down the package for Glass now. And that's why they could look to deal him separately because Glass now on his own could probably net them a pretty interesting haul, particularly in this offseason. But I think these are two guys that Phil needs for the Mets. Glass now it's self-explanatory. The dude's six foot eight. He's got a fastball that lives in the high 90s It averaged over 96 miles per hour. He has two excellent breaking balls, a really good slider, really good curve ball. He's just a dominant pitcher when he's on last year, he struck out over 12 batters for nine. So to pair him with Kodai Senga, top the rotation, that'd be a pretty good result for the Mets. I think the interesting aspect of this trade is, would it be worth it to lighten that prospect capital to take on Marco? And I actually think it would be if it, you know saves a prospect you know if, if maybe you would have had to given up uh you know three prospects to get glass now or or you know two prospects whatever it is if you can lighten that load i think it's worth it to take on this money because i think he's still a functional player i mean it's not like he's just horrible with the bat you know he and he also he's been bad at the trap the last two years you know playing in tampa he has not been good at home and that's a you know, notoriously difficult ballpark to hit in on the road in 2022. He hit 287. I hit 262 at home this year. He hit 303 on the road and 219 at home. So get him out of that environment. You could see an uptick in performance. He also hit 346 against lefties in 2022 and 277 against lefties in 2023. So if he's your fourth outfielder that's starting primarily against left handed pitching. Uh, i think he's pretty solid he's not the great defender he was back in 2021 but he still can play all three positions for you and you know despite the fact that he's not really a, a above average offensive player, he hasn't batted below 250 or had an on base percentage below 310 since 2019. so what that tells me is as a guy that's coming off your bench he's not killing you offensively and while that's certainly not uh you know what you're looking for at 10 million dollars, Again, you sort of have to put money to the side when it comes to Steve Cohen's Mets. And this would be a trade that gives you a fourth outfielder, which is something the Mets do need to address this offseason. And it gives you a frontline starting pitcher. So it it gives you two clear needs that will be checked off on the offseason wish list and allows you to go out and do some other things. So I think this is the most realistic trade of all the ones we're going to mention today because here are two guys who are definitely on the block for sure and two guys that the Mets would you know, conceivably be interested in. They've already apparently showed some interest in Margot, and why wouldn't they be interested in Glass now? Um, so uh, it's, it's a very feasible trade, and yet there's part of me that likes some of these other trades a little bit more. We're going to get to them in a minute. Before we do, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. You got the NFL season, the college football season, and you got the NBA full swing, the in season tournament, maybe add a little more excitement to the regular season for the NBA. And you can get in on all of it with so many betting options, including the spread. Player props, over unders, and more. And again, remember that $5 winning money line bet gives you $150 in bonus bets guaranteed. So find that guaranteed winner this Sunday in the NFL. I know it's tough, but you'll know, get that overwhelming favorite, put that $5 money line bet down on them, and you can get a lot of extra bonus bets to place. If you want to play, go to fanduel.com slash locked on to kick off the NFL season. Fanduel, official partner of the NFL. Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports today is here for your 24-7 coverage of the top stories of the day in sports with local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. All right, so our next trade to discuss here, this is the lottery ticket trade. I like it for one reason. It gets you a really promising DH that could vault the Mets ceiling offensively, and that's Eloy Jimenez. The downside of it is it really doesn't address your rotation the way that most people would like because the starting pitcher that is left with the White Sox, and we're not talking Eloy and Dylan Cease because while that is a fun trade for sure, that's gonna cost you know your farm system to, to pull that one off. But what you could do here is get Michael Kopek. So we'll start with the downside of the trade first, which is Kopek, because as I mentioned, the starting pitching market, super expensive. And the idea here is to make a trade that addresses your rotation. Kopech just becomes another one in your list of Tyler McGill, Joe Lucchese, Jose Budo, these back end starters that are depth arms because that's Know being generous to what Kopeck was this past year, he was awful. 5 4 3 ERA gave up 29 home runs in just under 130 innings pitch. Not good, but with that said, he almost pitched 130 innings. And having someone that made a lot of starts last year and is maybe showing some durability now in a later stage of his career I'm not a late stage of his career, still young, but you know, middle stage of his career turns 27 next week, but he had. Injuries earlier on in his career, for sure. Actually, hold on. I think that's Eloy Jimenez that turned 27 now that I'm looking back at my notes. How old is Kopech? I'm sure it's not that far off. He also is 27. See, I didn't have to correct myself. I was right. Um, But he's not turning 27 next week. He turns 28 in April. So, anyway, birthdays don't matter. Talking about baseball players. Kopech, he at one point was that, you know, top pitching prospect in the game. Not maybe the number one overall one, but everyone loved him, right? He came from the Red Sox to the White Sox in the Chris Sale trade. And it was like, oh my God, this guy's got this electric stuff, the fastball, the slider. What's he going to be? Is he going to be a closer or an ace? And it just hasn't happened for him. With that said, could the Mets tap into something more? Could this pitching lab they have extract something out of Michael Kopech? He's only making 3.6 million dollars in the second year of arbitration you'd have him for two years if this last year of him trying to be a starting pitcher didn't work, always could tender him a contract and, and try him as a reliever the following season could always make that change midseason. I think there's enough there that i'm I'm interested in the lottery ticket aspect of it and I do wonder if the White Sox wouldn't mind sort of clearing him out you know he hasn't really pitched well. They just got a couple of brave starters uh, in that trade where that sent Aaron Bummer, uh, the relief pitcher, to Atlanta. They got uh, Soroka and, what was it, Schuster back, I believe. So they got some new arms coming in. Obviously, they're a team if they trade C's that it's just going to be looking for some bodies to fill out that rotation. But if you give up a, a prospect package for particularly Eloy and you ask for Kopech in the deal as well, I don't think that they would really – you know, flinch at it too much. but And I think it'd be a worthwhile gamble to get him as a throw-in and to see what happens because he's certainly worth a 40-man roster spot and he's a guy that has upside that could be reached. But you're making the trade for Elo Jimenez. That's the guy that you're targeting and he is another injury-prone player. That's why, you know, the White Sox might want to move him also because if they're looking at his contract in their window, they might not think that they really have a viable path to contention in the next three years. He's owed $13 million this year. Then there's two club options, one for $16.5 million in 2025, and then one for $18.5 million in 2026. Each of those options is a $3 million buyout. So the injury risk, if it becomes too much, you can always get out of the deal. This is a really good hitter, though, if he could just stay on the field. He hit 31 home runs in the 2019 season. Then he hit 14 home runs in 55 games in 2020 last three years, he has failed to reach 20 home runs, but he only played 55 games in 2021 and 84 games in 2022. This past year, he did play 120. So you think, oh, he was kind of healthy. Wrong. You look at his season, he had injury designations in four of the six months. So it's almost amazing that he even got to 120 games played. None of them kept him out too long, but you know that up and down, back and forth, it's tough for a hitter to find rhythm in the big leagues when that's happening. With that said, you know his batting average is still 272, and he still struck out only 19% of the time. So it's not like he was having miserable at bats. He just wasn't driving the baseball at the same authority you'd expect from Eloy Jimenez. He had a 441 slug. He's usually been you know better than that for sure. The on-base percentage was down to 317. There is so much room for, for a bounce back with Eloy, though. And if you just never put him in the outfield, you just have measured DH in this type of a trade, I would send Mark Yantos to the White Sox and say, here's you know potential DH for you that has full control that you, know, you can have on the cheap and see what happens. If they wanted to, they could stick him at third base. I mean, they had Jake Berger playing there at certain points. So you never know. But the point being, from a Mets perspective, you get a guy that, Yes, has a lot of injury concerns. His value is on a downslide because of it, but he's still, as I mistakenly mentioned earlier, turns 27 years old this next week here. There's enough youth and there's enough in that bat that I say, you know what, it's not going to cost you a ton to get these guys, and you never know what, what could come from it. And, and I look at a Mets lineup, That would have Eloy at DH, and that's way better than anything they have in-house. And on the free agent market, you know, if you're looking to spend the $13 million he's going to make this year, it's hard to find someone that's going to provide the value that he could at that dollar amount. And you know, the the guys that could provide that at DH, if it's Justin Turner, JD Martinez, these are older guys that don't have the upside that Eloy Jimenez does. If he gets to it, big, big question mark. That's why it might not cost that much to acquire. So I like the lottery ticket trade. Obviously, if I had to pick between the two, I'm still going with glass now because you know, to get a guy that could be your ace is more important than anything in that White Sox deal. But the final trade I have for you is my best trade. That's why I saved it for last. This is the deal I would love to see the Mets make, and it's with David Stern's former team the Milwaukee Brewers. We'll get to that in a minute. First though, another word from our sponsors. Now you may have noticed so far, I have yet to talk prospects on this show. What would it take to acquire these packages? The reason why I haven't done that is because it's a lot to cover with these three trades in one show, and I wanted to focus on the talent the Mets would be getting back. I will be putting a poll up on YouTube today that you can vote on, and your favorite of these three trades, I will break down further with a trade package. Also, if you become a Locked On Mets insider, you're going to get trade packages on all three of these guys. This is our new texting service where you can get updates from me whenever the Mets make a big signing or they're in some rumors, or if Jeff McNeil finally gets the car from Francisco Lindor, which did happen, which is great, you can get that update from me. You can ask me questions. And today, I will be sending out at 2 p.m. the trade packages that I think would it would take to acquire all these guys. So if you want to see what those trade offers would be, you can find a link in the episode description or go to subtext.com locked on Mets. All right, you wait a long enough. My favorite of these three trades involves the Mets and the Milwaukee Brewers. And the Mets would be getting back Freddie Peralta and Christian Yelich. Yes, this is not a Corbin Burns trade because if there's one pitcher on the Brewers that I would want the Mets to acquire above any other, it's not the guy that has the sign to his name. It's not Devin Williams with his airbender changeup. It's Freddie Peralta. It is going to be very, very difficult. To add two starting pitchers at a reasonable salary in free agency, or even adding two high-priced guys in free agency this year, the Mets go ahead and get Yoshinobu Yamamoto, and that's their first big move. If they made this trade, the Brewers, I think their team is pretty set. Yes, you still got to address the bullpen, but Freddie Peralta as your number three would be amazing because it's been amazing for the Brewers with Burns and Woodruff, which was the team. That David Stearns constructed. Peralta has a career 383 ERA this year. It's 386. So he pitched in the back of the baseball card, had 165 and two third innings pitched, struck out over 11 batters per nine. And here's where it gets good he's 27 years old. He makes $5.5 million this season and has two club options at $8 million per. So for the next three years, you could have this guy for a little over $20 million. $21.5 million for Freddie Peralta for age you know, 27, 28, 29. Uh, you know, maybe it's 28, 29, 30, depending on when his birthday is. Regardless, Freddie Peralta in a, a Mets uniform would be that's what you want to see, especially with that contract. It is perfect. For not only just a team this year that has bloated salaries, but the perfect guy to pair with Senga moving forward for your real competitive window in 25 and 26, that allows you the financial flexibility to either, you know, if you have young Loto, the book, great, but if you have to go out and add one of those aces next off season, Peralta gives you the flexibility to do that. I would love a trade for Peralta. The problem is, I can make an argument that Freddie Peralta outside of maybe Dylan Cease. But even then, might have more trade value than any starting pitcher that could be dealt this offseason because that contract is so good. So how do you you know, maybe lessen the prospect return a little bit? You take on Christian Yelich's salary because the Mets did that for the Brewers, and they might be the only team in baseball that'd be willing to do it. I don't know how many teams are trying to sign up for an outfielder that has shown some decline and is making $26 million per season, plus who has $28 million deferred for 12 years that starts in 2031. It's a lot of money to absorb on a guy that is far from his MVP year at this stage of his career. With that said, who gave him that contract? David Stearns did. And because of that deferred money, the luxury tax comes in a shade below $24 million. So that's really the number you had to focus on when it relates to the New York Mets. How do you feel about $23.8 million to Christian Yelich for five more years? It's not great, but it's also not as bad as some might make it out to be. He will turn 32 before next season, so you're looking at ages 32 through 36. But this past year, he hit 278. He got on base at a 370 clip, slugged at a 447 clip. He had 34 doubles, still hit 19 home runs, and he swiped 28 bags. Christian Yelich is a great base runner, and with the new rules, he was able to take advantage and steal a lot of bags. He's not a great defensive outfielder anymore, but he's still solid out there. Was worth four outs above average in left field. So I think he can hang out in left field for another three to four years really easily, hopefully for the whole five years that you'd own that money. But if he has to become a DH at the end, it is what it is. I think that Yelich is just a good baseball player. It's that simple. He was a four-win player this year. You know, His best years where he got this contract, he was a seven-win player, um, and he did fall off. Don't get me wrong. He fell off in, in 2020, 2021, 2022, but this bounce back is legit. And even with that, even through those struggles and those down years, this guy has never finished an MLB season with an on-base percentage below 350. So even at his worst, the guy's going to get on base, going to hit for a relatively high average, going to steal some bases for you, pack a little bit of pop in his bat. Might not ever get to, what, 44 home runs I think he hit at one point. That might not happen again. But you know, if he can get you a 2020 season playing decent defense in left field and you know, being a, a table setter atop the lineup, I I think it's actually a really nice fit. I wouldn't even mind seeing him bat second. Like Nimo, Yelich, Lindor, Alonso, it's, it's not bad. That's a pretty decent lineup. Again, this one's going to cost the most. Even with taking on Yelich's salary, he's not a, a complete anchor of a player. You know, he's still pretty good. So not that he's going to add to the trade package, but I don't think that, oh, just for doing the solid on Yelich, they're going to give you Peralta. But you could get two players that help your team in a pretty big way in the, uh, this upcoming season. And Peralta's on a steal of a contract. Yelich, you know, you'll have to see how that thing ages. But he did enough this past year that I wouldn't be too, too scared of it. Um, also, again, it's not like he's going to be 40 at the end of this deal. Again, you're looking at age 32 through age 36. So I, I think he can be good. I think he's athletic enough that he can – uh, not be a Robinson Cano coming to the Mets and like an, a Cano-Edwin Diaz deal. I don't think it's quite there. There is some parallels in the fact that the arm is what you really want and you're taking on the the former great player in hopes of still getting something from him. So obviously that that can scare you a little bit, but I think Peralta's worth it. I think Yelich would help you uh, in this upcoming season. I really do. So that was my favorite of the three trades that I came up with. Let me know in the comment section if you're watching on YouTube what was your favorite. Again, I'll have a poll go up today. You can pick which of those three trades is your favorite that you want to hear about the trade package. We'll do that on a future show. Also, if you just want to know my trade packages, well, all you got to do is become a Locked on Mets insider through subtext. Find a link in the episode description to join our texting service or go to subtext.com. You can follow me on X and Finkelstein Ryan. Follow the show at Locked On Mets. And also, now that you're done with this video, if you're watching on YouTube, Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24 7 streaming channel. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24 7, covering all the top stories in sports around the leagues with local experts from each team, with national shows covering the entire leagues. If you want to check all that action out? Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and find the first ever 24 7 national sports streaming channel.